0: Hey guys, this is Nisha from So Here's What Happened and Did You Have To. Throughout the month of October, podcasts like ours and others in the But Why Geek community are fundraising for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital so that all kids can enjoy the spookiness of Halloween without the scariness of childhood cancer. You can donate now at stjude.org forward slash But Why Though. Also, our community will be performing challenges when certain amounts of donations are made to our page. For example, for $15. I will eat five pieces of disgusting candy corn for a great cause. To learn more about how gamers and content creators worldwide are supporting kids of St. Jude, go to playlive.stjude.org. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of So Here's What Happened. I'm your host, Nisha, joined by... Carolyn and Perdita. Yes. Thank there you y'all. for coming again. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Yeah, I feel like you've gone on this whirlwind of a journey <laughs> through Lovecraft Country with us, and it feels right that you're here with us to talk about all of it at the end. Yeah. So yeah, so like, let's just dive right on in, Carolyn, if you don't mind reading the synopsis of nine and ten. Right, so I'll read the synopsis. Um, so for episode nine, which is titled 19, Rewind 1921, is with Hippolyte Adaham, Letty, Tick, and Montrose travel to 1921 Tulsa in an effort to save thee. And for episode 10, which is titled entitled First Full Circle, it goes with the book of names in the possession. Atticus, Letty, Montrose, and Hippolyta try to lift the curse on Diana before turning their attention to Christina's spell and whether there's a new way to turn the tables on her. And yes, and let's get into this because we all got thoughts, many, many thoughts about these episodes in the show as a whole. Yes just but the guest goes first that is our house rules so <laughs> no pressure but like what were yeah. your thoughts of episode 9 and 10
1: what a disappointment <laughs> um how incredibly impotent um this this series just kind of <laughs> okay so you remember that meme or that video that went around twitter of those white ladies celebrating they were crossing the finish line and then that black lady zoomed past them (laughs) yes like that is what these last two episodes of lovecraft signify for me because we started in one place thinking Mm -hmm. that this was be one show and as we get further and further into the narrative and by the time we get to nine and ten you're just like at the end of episode 10 I'm just sitting there thinking what the fuck did I just watch Mm -hmm. why why was this made why was I supposed to care about these people what was the purpose what why why uh, they gave black people, they took magic away from white people to get magic for black people. But is you know, Is there is there gonna be a Hogwarts school? Like what? I don't, why? All I left, all I was left with was why?
0: I definitely left with a lot of why's as well, because I do agree. I feel like when the when we had the first two episodes, I was like, I'm here for it. I'm ready. Yes. Uh Lovecraft Country. Take me on a road trip and sh- explore all the like mystical horrors and like monsters that exist in the world. And like also commentary on racism and other things. And then episode 10 happened and I I feel like honestly there's a bunch of episodes in between where, where there's moments in episodes where I'm just like hmm, oh okay I see what you tried to do there and you didn't and like we'll, we'll I feel like we can have time to like get into like that whole issue because like that's a thing for me with the series. like when I went back and I look at it I'm like I just feel like they touched on things But they didn't really do anything with it. It just kept on like, oh, we're going to touch on this. We're going to touch on that. But you didn't go anywhere with it. So it really just feels like you just were checking off a list of things to touch on. But sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. For nine and 10, 10 especially, I was just left with why in those Mm -hmm. last 10 minutes. And I also feel like, and y'all know me, I haven't been the biggest Atticus fan. I'm like, and it's not that I hate him. He just annoys me. But he, like, I just need to understand, like, he was always going to die. Like, and the reason for him dying is like, well, baby, you, what's going to, her spell is going to change the world. Like, but he has to die in order for it to change the world? He He didn't. I I just, I just feel like that, that's what, like, threw me. Because I'm like, all of this could have been avoided if y'all stayed away from the evil white bitch. Yep. So, (laughs) sorry that's like where my mind went with like 10 i was just disappointed in i'll say that 10 just left me disappointed in the last minutes with d i was even more disappointed because i'm like this don't make sense why is this happening well well for me um anyone who followed my twitter and who i dm'd uh episode nine was very traumatic for me personally with the whole fire and watching ticks uh i think she She was six grandmother, literally being burned alive, and I hate how they felt the need to show that explicitly, like you saw the skin melting and her clothes catching on fire and letting all her light skin privileges unscathed and and, you know, remains untouched by the flames of glory, as they're going to call them, but this dark-skinned black woman is just burning and melting, and I hated it, I had to look away, because it was a lot. And then we saw um, Montrose's first boyfriend, another dark-skinned person, get his head blown open, again, unnecessary, and another example of how this the writing in this show is extremely colorist. And then episode nine happened. I'm sorry, episode 10 happened and I watched the screener the Friday and I was so angry. You know, when you're so angry, you wanna cry, like the anger manifests as tears. That was me. I was pissed, I was livid, I was angry, I was upset, I was hurt. I felt betrayed and I felt it when I realized what was happening. It started when I realized what was happening to me. And what was happening to me was that she was being turned into a pickaninny. So you got this young black girl who went through and ex- traumatic experiences from the beginning. When you think about it, her father died, her best friend was killed horrifically, she was tormented, she was chased, she was attacked by two grown racist white men. She was cursed, possessed, and then she's turned and she was she was being literally turned into the epitome of a demonic black girl. And I'm like, really, Mishegree, what the fuck are you guys thinking? Excuse my language. And then, okay, so she got healed. But not completely. Because the only person who was able to be healed completely in this entire show was Letty. When you think about it, everybody has some kind of scars. But the only person who literally came back from the dead multiple times, who survived being shot, who survived being thrown from a building, who survived being burned, is Letty. But everybody has some kind of thing. Even Hippolyta, when she traveled through the stars, she still has the device in her arm. She's not completely who she was before. I have a problem with that. Diana, this 14-year-old girl who's been through traumatic experiences, is left with a decaying arm attached to her body looking like petrified wood and it's again a reminder that dark skinned people apparently can't heal or aren't, aren't deserving of being healed aren't deserving of being whole and then you have literally to skip because we're going to get into the rest of this for the whole season but then you have take me and put up like Jesus on a wheel arm spread Arms slashed by Christina, blood gushing from his arms. And she's literally bathing in this black man's blood. And I'm sure she drinks some of it. So you have this, black, this white woman ingesting this black man's blood, bathing in it, clothes in it. And then you have Lenny again. Rising from the dead triumphantly. Ooh. stabs Christina. I'm like, okay, get The bitch is dead. No, she's not. Not completely, because Letty apparently has to remain unscathed. Again, she can't be seen as a murderer. Everybody else can be, even a 14 year old black girl, but Letty. And then they use Gia, who had no evil. I don't even know why they put her there, but she was a prop, using her gummy her her tails to connect this black man. That she met, that she had sex with once, and it was uninterrupted sex. Let's remember, it wasn't with full. It wasn't even full coitus. But she's sur- literally sacrificed her soul to go into the darkness for this black man she slept with once to connect him with a white woman that she knows nothing about, so that letty can again be the savior. But you got this Asian, this black man, and this Asian woman literally sacrificing her soul to eternal damnation. Bullshit. And at the end of it, you got this little black girl again who has now a prosthetic arm. And the first thing we see her do with this arm is kill a white woman. And I hate it's Christina's guts, but she's still a defenseless white woman because she's pinned down. She's she, she has no way to defend herself. And you have this little black girl just walks up to her, tells her, oh, you never listen, and crushes her neck violently. And I'm like, why? You have the, the blog off there, the monster. He could have eaten her face. I thought that's what was going to happen. I thought he was going to eat her face. He did not. No. You got the little black girl sacrificing her innocence, using her prosthetic arm to murder this white woman that she has literally never met before in her life. I hate this show. I despise these last two episodes, and I hate this show. Like, you guys, I episode one and two had so much promise. Mm-hmm. Episode three was good. I like the whole idea of spirituality and all that. But after, when we saw Yahima die in episode four, that's when I knew this show was going off the rails and it was going to be a complete mess. Right. And so just for a quick thing. So we do know that Jihad and Tick did actually have a relationship, though. So, like, they didn't it was very have sex brief, going. though. But it was very brief. Well, I think brief. it was brief because of how it was conveyed to us in the one episode. But like they had, they, so like, that's my whole thing. Like, again, I felt like it was random that she's the one that she's the key to like fixing him and not fixing him for fixing everything. And especially when like she warned your ass and all the time I'm just looking at her. I'm like, girl, you don't have to be there. You don't have to die. I'm glad she didn't die. But the whole time I'm just like, you don't even have to be bothered with this, but she still came and like all the time. And he's the one that called her a monster. And that's <laughs> happened, like the way he treated her. But again, I understand like from the episode that we saw, we understand like she loves him genuinely and cares about him and which I find is funny since like since she's a monster without a soul but she's like without her Christina would have won so I do feel like it's I no, don't it, it, she just like her Christina's asking to die because all 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 letty had to do is chop her head off no she's immortal we know that all we know is that she's immortal, in, her we head, head know the a, context spoke, of her head was not gonna spoke. her head was not gonna grow back I just feel like we don't know the context of what immortality meant. So we just know that she's immortal. So even her head, she still would have been alive, because even with her head is off. It could have been like a chicken rod. I had one wand, wand, wand stumbling about. She could still use magic then. So it's like she could have her head cut off and still have magical powers.
1: I just, I mean, there was, there when I think about stuff like death becomes her, when yeah. I think about other kinds of horror that I've watched that really have the opportunity to play in the genre. We didn't get to play in this. It became, uh, let's see how traumatic we can be. Mm -hmm. Um, I I feel like walking away from this i i'm not i don't really trust misha green as a storyteller to revisit or to visit new content like i would do so begrudgingly or hesitantly hesitantly is a better word mm-hmm. um, because when we see, I just watched both episodes again before we got ready. Because I was I was not looking forward to watching either of these episodes again. Yeah, I'm not going to revisit those ever again. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. I wanted to make sure I remember things right, um, and what I noticed about in even the first watch and even in the second watch was just how much they seemed to want to traumatize and trigger us. And it the the real end for me was that lingering shot of watching Letty stand in that burning house with a soon to be ancestor and then them not there. And I said, okay, how would I have, if I had written this and this was Mm -hmm. part of, this was a point that we had to make in the show, how would we shoot this as to not traumatize people? Black people are already well aware of what the, the horror of being black in this world means. Mm We don't have to have visual representation of it in our fantasy life when we constantly have it presented to us in In our life. life. Yeah. And I mean, oh, sorry, go ahead. Watching that woman literally die by inches by fire um, was just totally unnecessary. And it makes me wonder, like... What what goes through your mind to make you think that that's OK to shoot a child in the head, um, to have another child witness that Montrose told us what happened. We didn't mm-hmm. have to actually watch it happen. Um, I,
0: there's a way that they could have shot at You could have had the camera focused on him looking out the window. And you just hear the gunshot, and that's enough. Just hearing the gunshot itself is enough. <laughs> to not only to convey what's happening, but to to shock you. If your if you're, if your thing is to get you to be shocked, hearing uh-huh. it is enough to be shocked. You don't need to see him. That's it's the same thing with episode six where G's friend, guys, where the where because they shoot like two or three of the women, and they show each woman getting their her, her head shot, and you don't see that you don't hear the gunshots they make sure that you see the women you don't see the people pulling the trigger you see them getting the bullet and then you see them falling to the ground their heads on the ground and blood and the blood spread and I'm going to compare this to a film I watched recently and this was La Dorola. and it's a a Mexican horror no sorry not Mexican it's a Guatemalan horror film I think it's Mexican but it's about the Guatemalans um the ethnic cleansing that um war crime that was done at Guatemala. And the way how the director did this is the the guy put the gun to the, the man put the gun to the woman's head and the camera shifts. You hear the gunshot, you know what happened. They showed her laying down in the river, but you don't see the bullet wound, right? You it's enough to see her in the ground on the ground. That to know what happened, but you don't need to see like her her brain get shut up. And it happened in this in, in craft country. They showed it, and it's it's gratuitous and unnecessary, and it's traumatic. And I'm wondering if these writers ever think, "Oh my God, okay, you're talking about black people dying." If you're thinking that, and you have, do they ever consider the audience who's watching this? If they have a family member where this happened to them, how it could be traumatizing and trigger for them. Like for me, for the burn that for the for the lady burning that was traumatic for me because when I was in and I think did I t- I think I told you this I think it was who I told our it was one of my other friends when I was in primary school one of my best friends in primary school he died in a house fire him and his sibling him and two of his siblings died in the house fire and how that happened it was an electric fire and he got someone he got like two or three of his other smaller siblings up but he went back in to get two of the others and the house collapsed on him and he died and I remember when I when that scene happened it just took me back to the day. At school where the principal, where the principal came to our classroom, I remember the principal going to the teacher telling the teacher, and the teacher looking at us and telling us what happened. And it would that would have been bad enough. But the fact is his house was close to where I live at any time. And we could see the smoke at any And I remember the day I went home. My mom would have normally taken this road to like to go and she had to avoid it because she was like, I don't want you to see the house, but we couldn't avoid it forever. Because anytime you had to go to town, which was straight down the road from where we live, you had to pass his house. And we always passed the burned up shell at his house. And when I saw that scene, that just took me back there. That took me back to the smell of the smoke. They, that took me back. Like burning flesh is the worst smell you could ever smell. I know what burning flesh smells like. I know what burned hair smells like. I know what a burning house smells like. And that just took me back. And I'm like... Misha Green or and the other writers, did you ever think about how this could be traumatic for anyone watching this? Like, we had watchmen talk about the Tulsa fires, the, the Tulsa massacres. They showed the houses and things burning out. You you get the idea of what happened, but they they don't rely on torturing the audience to get the message across. And I felt like she was torturing us. And like, and it does that, that's all I keep coming. I'm like, what like who is this for? And even if you're saying that it's about education. How is mentally and emotionally charging your audience, audience educational? How does that help so, us? And if you're preaching to white people, all that does is, again, normalize our pain. That makes them get accustomed again to seeing us in pain. Because we talk about when like when people like George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, whoever, and, and other people who die, we always tell people, stop posting the images online because it's, it can desensitize, but it's also traumatic. And I feel like she took none of that warning and played it to this show. So, so one thing I feel like when it comes this is just it's like for this show and then like speaking for like other shows that want to, if you want to show an accurate depiction of things that like, of the, because these things are real. Like these atrocities happened and we know this and you know, like there are the mass audience and let's just say it, white audiences probably never heard of the Tulsa Massacre. Um, on average, I would like, I, I would go out to, I could probably think of like going out to the street and asking someone like, do you know what the Tulsa Massacre was? And I'm fairly positive no one, none of them can answer. So I do agree that like, I feel like when we, the black audiences are watching this, it's like, that is very triggering because people who you could have relatives who were near that area, you could have like your, your own connection to it or your own personal experiences like that. And I feel like there's this thing, there's like, there is a way to tell these stories and to use and like, and do this without being hyper violent and I know, like, and the thing is, like, yes, we know these things, because, like, at first I had to pause myself, because it's like, yeah, no, this is probably how violent and, atro- and this atrocity was, and it, it's terrible, and like, yeah, people, but then I'm like, but do we have to see all of it like that? Because I do agree, I think Watchmen is a great example, because I don't know if it's a trend, I don't want to say it's a trend now, but I feel like between Watchmen and this, I think there's one other um, movie that touches on the Tulsa massacre that came out recently, I can't mm-hmm. think of it. Um, I feel like, and I'm going to speak this into existence now. I hope no one makes a Tulsa Massacre movie. I, I just, I, I, I'm speaking it out into existence now because I just realized, like, oh, somebody definitely would try to make a Tulsa Massacre movie and win an Oscar off of it, and I don't want it. I don't want it. Um, but my point is, I'm like, there is a way, and a there's a balance to tell these stories and like if you want to touch on the Tulsa massacre in your show and touch on the atrocities that happened I feel like there's a way you can do it like because I think I applaud Watchmen like we see all the bad things that are happening we just don't see it in a super hyper violent like focused lens on like on characters and everything I'm like because it's hard when I say that because I'm like yeah no stories should be told but at the same time there's a balance of, like, not doing it for shock value, and I hmm. feel like, well, yeah, I don't want you to hold back in with the realities of the, the pain that our ancestors and our brethren and our sisters faced, like, generationally, because we, we know it, and, like, Black people, Black audiences, I feel like we, as a people, like, we feel communal pain, is like I think like I think that's the word I want to use. Is like we we can like like yeah. you said when we hear about someone shooting, when we hear about something that happens to some like our community, it's sad and it's just I don't know. There's just there's a better way to do it, and if I pray to God that the next people who try to do something like this just approach it more carefully. Yeah. Because I think you're right. They do need to take in consideration. Because, yeah, the MA rating, like, they told us what this show was going to be. Like, we knew it was going to be grotesque and it was going to be violent and whatnot. But I'm like, this fell a step too far. Like, yeah.
1: The hyperviolence, I don't really have that much of a problem with because I've watched white shows in Mm -hmm. which they literally have thrown um, like 400-pound men out of... 18 wheelers to see what happens and shoot people and blow people up and all of that kind of stuff and so it's one thing to have hyper violence I think it's another thing in particular to channel black pain and black mm-hmm. torture and black horror uh, of of the reality of black life and mm-hmm. to it as a plot device um i think we see this a lot with black art now especially um i have not watched lena's lena Waits Quaint king what is it queen, queen slim? and slim queen and slim not watched Ava DuVernay's When They See Us. I have not watched a lot of the films like that because I am not interested in being re-traumatized about something that, you know, it, we, we deal with in reality all the time as Black people. But what I will say too is that even in documentaries we're seeing that kind of behavior with that um HBO had Atlanta Missing and Murder that came out mm. earlier this year and I had started watching it because I was very interested in the Atlanta child murders and learning a more comprehensive piece of the historical narrative that went along with that and what happened. And what I noticed not too long into the series is that they show autopsy photos, uncensored. Mm. They show death photos of these children, uncensored. These people still have relatives that are living because this happened within the eighties. Um, and it's not just one or a couple each episode. It's six photos after photo after photo after wow. photo of dead Black children. And I have no idea why anybody would think that it would be appropriate to show this, especially when we know that they have never released photos, death photos of John JonBenet Ramsey. They have never released death photos of white children. They have never released photos, even in an in investigative discovery um, type fair in shows when it comes to, to you know, white people killing white people. They never show the death photos unedited or explicit of mm-hmm. white people who are dead. And I go back and I think about when I went Last year in March, I went to D.C. and I got to go to the National Museum of African-American History and Culture. And I walked the entire The People's Journey, which starts in the the lower level and goes all the way up to Barack Obama. And then there's additional exhibits. But what I noticed, especially because they have um, a room in The People's Journey as part of it that has... Emmett Till's original casket inside. Mm. Of it. Um, when you walk the people's journey, you are not seeing photo after photo of maimed black person, lynched black person. There is no photo and no video of Emmett Till's body in his exhibit. You cannot photograph. Or anything when you walk through that exhibit you the casket is open, it was restored because they actually had to exhume him at one point and then the casket was too um, deteriorated to rebury so they buried his remains in a new casket and instead of just throwing away the old casket, they went ahead and restored it and now it's on exhibit there in D.C. There's not they tell the story of black people without traumatizing black mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. and our story is not just the horror of being black and i feel like this show ultimately as much as it was supposed to be a black show with black people for black people to a certain extent um it the narrative still was written from the white gaze hmm
0: I agree because, like, for me, when it comes, this show, to me, is also very unbalanced narratively with, if you're going to show the horrific elements of being Black in North America, like the racism, the xenophobia, the color, when you're good, not even colorism, because she barely touched on that, which is utterly ridiculous, but if you're going to show the horrific parts, we have to balance it with good parts. You know what I mean? Show us the lightness. You know, we we had the episode with Hippolyta. okay. So you have one out of 10 episodes. That's not enough. We had no, uh, like you had um, people that they they would say, oh, the romantic parts between Tick and Letty, please. Their relationship was built, but their relationship is so shabby and empty to me. Like their first time uh, happened in a bathroom and because he was jealous and he was trying to show his dominance over her because another guy made a comment so he took her to the bathroom and had sex with her. And it was like a one-bam, thank you, ma'am thing. And like he didn't even realize that she that she was on her period. Like it, it was she was actually a virgin. It was no, a, sorry, she was actually a virgin. Yeah. Sorry. So he didn't even realize that. Like that means that he wasn't even thinking or registering how uncomfortable she was physically. It was all about him. And then they had very few moments of intimacy. And the moments that they did have that were intimate had nothing to do with them personally or the relationship. It had to do with what was going on. Around them, because in episode five, where like he talks about what happened to Hima uh, and she's in the bathroom, she's reading a Bible again. It's not about them. It's not about her as a person. It's about his. It's about him. It's about Christina. It's about what's going on. So even their moments of intimacy aren't truly intimate, right? And yeah. we didn't have and the moments we, that could have been moments of levity, with like for instance Ruby singing, are marred by by like making colorist comments are marred by people about people being colorist towards Ruby because they dismissed her and they wanted um, Leti to come and sing. There's um, there's, moment, there's like Ruby in the bar where she could have had a good moment performing, but again, she she was unhappy. And then she met William, who then turned around and assaulted her and drugged her. And I hate that that is never addressed in the show and Which? it's never addressed online. I did not see Mr. Green or anyone address this. I'm like, she was drugged that's sexual and physical assault how is this okay there's no moments of levity there's nothing to balance the dark with the light like everything in this show regards to black people is violent even even with Gia in, in south korea the moments that could that were supposed to be fun with her like rambling about music and whatever is turned around and marred because it's like as soon as after that happens her best friend gets killed Mm -hmm. you know what I mean like I mean I think part part of it is (laughs) and I think part of it is like we understand that the setting of this show is taking place during you know a tumultuous time in history so like yeah there's violence I'm like god there was there's joy in some moments like there could be joy like my grandmother made it through like they had some joy but like I and I get like you know with the war and yeah and like with that story like Like she still had moments of joy, but then it's like, yeah, it's it's snatched away. And then, like, same thing, like you said with Letty and Tick, it's like when you really look at their relationship, it's really, it really is just built on lust and him being a toxic male dominant person in the moment. Because it's like, yeah, we get glances and looks and flirtation, but like their relationship isn't really focused on them for the entirety of the show. It's like you said, it's focused more around what's happening to them together. And Mm -hmm. But uh, let's just get into this part. Cause I feel like we all have some thoughts on Ruby and like how that all hey, went, it. but like, I just have to say my biggest thing, cause you brought it up. My biggest, but like, it's, it goes a step further. The whole Ruby, Christina William thing again, that it was never talked about that they are still engaging in sex And like, it's it's never unpacked because my whole problem with that is that Christina William lies to Ruby about who they are, really, uses Ruby. But then Ruby is still fine being there with them. And I'm just like, I need this to be discussed somehow. Like, and I don't, I have a lot of thoughts. I understand like, it's the whole like, Well, I can get power and I can become a white woman when I want to. And I can get the privilege that I've always wanted. And I'm going to learn magic and respectability politics. And I'm just like, Ruby, sweet, sweet Ruby. I wanted more for her. But that was like my biggest thing with Ruby's character and William Christina. And then like how it ends for Ruby which pisses me off, and also the people who shipped Ruby and Christina, y'all can go Ooh. fuck yourselves. That's disgusting. That was some it's it's on the <laughs> same level. It is on the same level as when people talk about the oh the slave can fall in love with the slave master. That's no. literally what I was thinking. It's the it's the my- oppressed cannot fall in love with the oppressor, especially when the masters are not fan equal. fiction. <laughs> and it's this the whole thing is master slave fan fiction.
1: And it's straight Stockholm syndrome. There's no reason. There is nothing that happened. There is no insinuation that would make any any version of this okay, okay or that Ruby would go along with this. Ruby was completely an undeveloped character. Then on top of that, they turned her into a coon. There is yeah. no like there's no way. I, if you were going to do Ruby, make her a high-flying bitch. Make her the, conniving conniving out for number one. Yeah. Make that. Make her her mother. Make her whatever it is that she needs to do to survive. That would mm-hmm. have been interesting to watch because women don't, Black women don't get to exist in that space. Not
0: even. But even if they had done that, I still wouldn't have trusted them to pull it off because, as I said, this show, the co- the writing for this show is extremely colorless, especially when applied to Ruby. And that would have turned into an extremely... There's a way to have a woman... A black woman be selfish and powerful without being hateful. And I feel they would have made her hateful because she's supposed to be a sympathetic character. People were literally literally blaming her. I'm like, she was assaulted. She's a a victim. How are you blaming her? And even excuse me, Journey Smollett made a tweet that upset me because she's like, Ruby, what I'm like, are you serious right now?
1: Even at that point, at this point, talking about what characters, what they should have done with the character, I don't care what... They don't have the range. They've established that they don't have the range. No. Um, That character, if we were going to do Lovecraft right with that character, make make her just vicious. But make her have rhyme and reason for what she's doing. Exactly. And they, never, they never gave Ruby any kind of rhyme or reason. He was just supposed to be what essentially turned out to be like the happy darky that was just happy to go up under this white woman and believe any and everything she said. And then she, she did all of this about wanting to work at that department store and everything. So you have an understanding about how white people work in the world. hmm so what on earth would possess you to go ahead and hitch your wagon to this woman? And then then for, for all of that to go on and you don't even get a promise, you don't have a contingency plan, you don't have a backup in case this bitch tries to turn on you, what do you get if she gets what she wants?
0: Nothing. No now the part about that that really pissed me off because okay, so we like when when was Hillary, her whole motivation was to work in this department store like You gotta woman all this educating woman because she keeps saying she's over overqualified. She has all these certificates and diplomas or whatever. And she, her her motivation is to work at this subcar department store. Fine. Now the episode five ended with her violently attacking this white man because immediately they set her up as this person who hates white people or maybe just white men. And the impetus for that was her seeing Tam- Tamara, who is a black woman, being attacked by this white man. So they set it up as her getting revenge for that. Now, you're gonna do that, but then you're gonna have this same woman become the lackey for a racist white bitch who cares nothing about her, who made her wear a, sli- a, a service uniform to go in to this club filled with racist white men. Make it make sense. Well, even at that, you're gonna have this, you're it, gonna have this what this black woman who literally put her foot up, this badass, ass. <laughs> turn around and take the side of this racist white woman over her sister. Now we always say like my sister and I fight like canada, but I will never take the side of some stranger who I just met who has been lying to me from the beginning, who assaulted me over my sister.
1: No, at that, you, she you, was assaulted. She she was mad that Tamara was assaulted, even though she tried to treat Tamara like uh, she, she was like, taking the uh, whole superior position she was over her. Yet about her own assault,
0: assault what? Mm-hmm. Which doesn't make sense and that goes back to the whole part with like ruby could have been a great character if they really thought her out more and made her like yes make her be self-preserving make her let her be, be allowed to be selfish and go and get what's hers let her be the one who could have killed christina in the end because you know they tried to set it up that way and like that whole thing like that whole like ruby being the black cheerleader to this white woman like it's gonna work i'm like and again my biggest problem with christina is She's a, She's not that great of a villain. No. and i say that because her whole thing is like i want to do this thing that not even any of the men in my family have been able to do and i'm just like white woman <laughs> sit down because my whole problem with her is that's her whole motivation for everything she could have she left this black family alone but instead she imposes her will and the things that she that's important to her over the black people and it's like there's no other way but for me to kill kill you i'm sorry but i have to kill you i'm like or you could just not be immortal that wouldn't have to kill him. But, but, but no. you know what always irked me about the immortal the whole immortal thing and it, this show is a is a premise. example of why that never works for villains you become immortal. What then what is the, what 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 is your next step? It's you, such you, it's, it's such a vague you, concept. What, it's, what are your what are what are your plans of immortality? You're not gonna get right. party on other you people's mind people. what's the plan? You're gonna get immortal over these white men. Okay, you get And it wasn't now. even Who like she got out, like, I'm going to smash the patriarchy. It wasn't even like, at least tag that See on there. At, at least See say, I'm going to take all the power from the white men. At least, you know, if you're going to go full, if you're going to go full, you a white woman, at least try and preserve yourself. But no, it's just like, I just want to become immortal because none of the men in my family could do it. And all of That's us have it. tried it. to do it for so That's long. And the, the, the white man did not recognize me as his equal, the white woman. But that that, is, I, that I, is her. That could that work. her. It. That could have worked if her, if she had other white women to empower, but she's only looking up for numero uno. You're, you're, you're not. You're looking to smash a glass ceiling in your house. You're not looking to smash the glass ceiling for anyone else. So you're not only is your motivation weak, it's ill thought out and it's selfish. Like what is what good is it having all that power if no one else even knows that you have that freaking power? Was she gonna go and have a, a meeting with other white women and say, "Guess what? I'm immortal and I can give you guys immortality"? No. What what is the point? And then the whole thing with Ruby, they fridged her. They literally made Christine, they literally had, she, she was fridged. And right? we know the fridge is the definition of killing a woman, a female character, to further the plot normally of a man, to give motivation for a man. If it was a man, he would say, oh my God, you killed my wife. I'm going to get revenge. They didn't even do that here. They didn't even give her the, they didn't even give Ruby the respect of having letty care that her sister was, was killed. Because Letty's fighting Ruby, and then she realizes, okay, wait, it's Christina. She doesn't even get upset that her sister's dead. She doesn't even show the slightest trepidation that this white woman is wearing her sister's skin. She wakes up from falling, and her first thought is again, "Off tick She like not nowhere after that is it mentioned about Ruby being dead. She doesn't tell the others that her sister's dead. The others don't even ask about Ruby
1: there's no one really asked no time to there's honestly and truly no time. no i mean, I, no, there's I mean no like after when they're i mean they, after they, they're they're not, taking, they, that's one of the reasons no, why I mean, like the whole thing was so impotent was because even mm-hmm. as they're carrying body away like no where's like, nobody we're, says anything about like that happened I
0: feel and that's I feel like that's, like, feel like you, that's you, a core issue okay with, with the this show. Woman? Where's the one? Nobody ain't gonna question what the black woman is.
1: Nobody says anything, and it's just like we're just gonna walk into the darkness. And I was yeah. just like, what the fuck is happening? Right. But now? I see, I think that's <laughs>
0: like, that's why I'm like with this show. is like there is a core issue with like y'all uh, chanting on things and then y'all go nowhere with it. So like, yeah, like there like are we just supposed to expect that like she tells them in the time from like where the scene ends to the next scene? And it's like It's frustrating because like I was frustrated by Ruby's death and it's like there is true like, you know, let's let me just go right back to like this whole thing. I was frustrated with Ruby and Letty's relationship because they kept on touching and I say touching lightly on colorism, but going nowhere with the conversation between the two of them, which I'm like, we get it. Like, I get it. Letty's light skin, (laughs) Ruby's dark skin. They have a rift between another each other, but that can't be the whole thing between them. And we get that there's some kind of, ish, some family drama, some issues with their what family in between one another, but it never goes anywhere. It never gets explored deeper. They just sweep things under the rug. And then that's what frustrates me. Cause like, yeah, in that moment, I could think like, yeah, Letty is pissed cause she realizes that Christina is wearing her sister's skin and killed her sister. But at the same time, we don't really get Letty and Ruby having like an actual conversation and getting everything out, it just keeps going back to like, well, you know, mama this and <laughs> mama that. And I just, I was I didn't want to become mama. I'm like, were we ever going to see what y'all mama was like? Because all we heard was that y'all, y'all hated y'all mama and she was terrible. Yes. And then like the whole issue, like we said in the last episode is like, what's the dynamic here? Is, is Letty somebody else's father's child? Like, like, what is it? Because it feels like the rift between them. Is is deep, and I come from like family where you know, like we got all different shades. Like my grandmother mm-hmm. is the lightest skin person in my family, and it's like I hear stories of how people talk, te- like treated her terrible. And then on the other end, it's like the same thing with my aunts. Like my mom, like who who has, who is darker skin, and like and they were treated terrible. So like we, I understand like on the spectrum, like. There's problems on both sides of colorism with how people treat one another, and like, and there's that rift. But I'm like, this cannot be their entire relationship. What their entire relationship was bit, built upon, and I was just fed up with like, are we ever going to really talk about their past issues and them having a discussion, and it be deeper than just being like, well, you're my sister. <laughs> 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 And that's <laughs> where my storyline always comes from, Letty. Letty, like, I can treat you anyway, but remember, you're my sister, so you have to do these things that I ask you for, all willy really, nilly, really, not caring how about how you feel. What kind of danger? Yeah, I'm placing you in. Like she really thought that Ruby getting a vial of blood was going to be as easy as walking up to to Christina and saying hi. Like she got that vial of blood. I didn't question how. That was. Well, I was thinking about that today. That just yeah. seemed real dumb to ask Letty to not Letty to ask Christina dang it. Ruby. To ask Ruby to go, like, to trick Christina, the woman who y'all know has all the spells out her hands by herself. But, sorry, just, what you were going to say something,
1: Perdita? I, well, it. what you were saying points to something that I hope we talk about more in depth, but I want to mention something. For them to have gone through all that trouble to get the Book of Names and then not use one goddamn spell from it beyond what happens with the ancestors in the Mm -hmm. ancestral room, they couldn't restore it. You have all of this power at your fingertips. Literally right now, you can't restore D you can't figure out a way to get all three pieces of these people that you need. Um, Mm -hmm. You can't do anything and y'all's imagination doesn't even go very far to figure out something else you can do to save Tick, to, to restore D to figure out how to do what the ancestors have pretty much provided you. So that was mm-hmm. that's a big problem with it. But then also when you, when we talk about the fact that it's never anything between Letty and Ruby besides you're my sister, um, Why was the shagoths those monsters, being bred in cows? Why did Christina have them kill her like um, Emmett Till if she was just going to go ahead and betray and kill Ruby in the first place? Why did... Why why did y'all show us that man that had been, that was basically had his tongue cut out in Ruby's episode in the closet and y'all never went anywhere with that? Were they harvesting body parts for for white people? Was that- Right, uh, the police chief with the black body parts. Like we see him very briefly dying because he's got bitten by the the black shaggoth, but it's like, okay, so was that- Was were they just doing that? Was that why that guy was in there? But nobody tells you anything. They show us. And I know I've watched enough TV. I've written enough stuff to know that if you're going to show your audience something, there better be a fucking reason for it. Mm -hmm. Right. not waste people's time showing them things that you're never going to discuss.
0: Which brings us to D sorry i just feel like d at the end dri- is driving me crazy and i understand like like i did go back and watch the one scene of what she's reading and some because some people have pointed out like oh she's reading the book uh, and they're like well maybe she's feeling some kind of pro- prophecy but i'm like but there's nothing it, it, it just doesn't make sense that d has to go kill her and i don't know is it just because y'all wanted to show us her robotic arm now it could she's she's it walking down the road basically it, 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 it does sense it doesn't make a child,
1: sense a child do that
0: I, a black child a black girl who has been traumatized so now you're gonna have this black girl going through life knowing that her she killed a white woman like but it doesn't even matter if she's a woman she killed a person at 14 years old and i'm i i saw reagan gomez make a tweet talking about okay oh, we have more of this in and I say bullshit because that is some garbage. Because we do not need to see black girls made into murderers and killers on sh- on TV as some kind of some kind of full excuse of black feminism or black power. Bullshit. We need to see more black girls living life joyfully. We need to see more black girls being happy, being treasured, being cherished, being looked after, being loved being appreciated. We don't need to see them being tormented, made into murderers. We don't need to see them being violated, brutalized, and victimized. And it's we don't need I to think see them being unhappy. We don't need we don't need that. We need we need more black joy, not more black pain. What is that? I think it's like think something else where like the together. motivation, like for me, a big thing is like, it's not even like Christina is the one that cursed D. Yep. and like D is getting revenge because like that's the thing and it's not me trying to explain away the murder It's no, no, me no, trying no. to make yes. sense of the context for it because I'm like even like we don't even get context of like what D says like oh you'll never learn I'm like what, what does that, that mean, mean D? I I that, that, that you know from? the thought that occurred to me was that that lane made me think that she was possessed by the cop and that because remember her arm was her arm was left on heels so it made me think that perhaps part of the curse was still on her before the arm was amputated that it would have still been because the way she said it, it sounded like she knew christina and i'm like the only that's, person and that's the thing we don't even know we don't even know if that we don't even know and if that is and if that is what that was supposed to imply and then it doesn't even do because we should agree to it not it was shannon i think one of the other writers tweeted out saying that how this is her showing that she's at peace. I'm like, excuse me, what about what about, what about killing? Even in those men like John Wick, even he's tormented by the people he kills. Even he's not happy when he has to kill people. Even he when he kills someone has the motivation at least. But he's not rejoicing in it. Yeah. He's not reveling in it. But this this killing this woman is supposed to bring his fourteen year old child to peace. Bullshit, that's, that is garbage. That's garbage because the thing is, she would have died there. She would have died. No one, no one would have like no one would have came and found her. Nobody would have seen her. She would have died within a few days. So, and again, it just doesn't, we don't get any context. Dee's not even set up to be a vengeful character because mm. one, she's a child. She's a 14 year old girl.
1: She and like, really she just in the Right.
0: But she was screaming like, her head off in a car. Right. She's a child. And it's just like the whole thing is like y'all don't give us context in this scene and it just doesn't fit it doesn't make sense for the character it doesn't make sense for the ending and i think it just it, it's just something at the end that i'm like wow this like on top of the other things for episode 10 this just left me with like why? <laughs> why there's, characters, there's, there's <laughs> many characters that do things in this film with the motivation like for instance i gotta go back to montrose because that was, supposed to be about. that was supposed to be about him protecting Tick. Hold on, stop. This is a woman, a person, sorry, a person who could not talk. And okay, so you're trying to silence them. You could have simply written on a piece of paper, please don't tell him what's going on. And even if not then. It would have been better. Like, and I say this because like with them being a trans character and they're they're the two spirit character, my biggest problem with that is like y'all literally gave this trans character here, this two spirit character here. And then you killed them in a very violent way. And I feel like we never revisited that. We never came back to it. We never found out what their connection was on a deeper level. And, like, oh. I guess it goes back to what you said, Perdita. They just keep doing things and not going anywhere with it. But the thing is, like, Perdita, and you're saying, like, they do things without reason. First is you bring in this character, like, to, to be murdered from, and, and you're, and you're, not and the thing that makes that to me especially egregious is because Yahima is an Arawak Indian. So she's from South America. She's from Guyana. And from the era that this character is from, The term two-spirited does not exist. It is not something that is so you're putting a modern term, terminology, on a character, on ancient character because you're trying to get representation points. You do that, and then you murder them finally, you have it done by a black man, again, a dark-skinned black man, who we have seen has anger issues, who we have seen has problems with abuse, who we have seen has extremely has a, a complicated relationship with his son and you're gonna have him marry this kill this person that he does not know and he does not he knows nothing about in the name of protecting his son. And and all we see is and the littlest rep- retribution we got that is um take fighting monsters But again it's not in retribution it's not retribution for what he what was then to Yahima. It's about him being all upset about his dad and their complicated relationships. Even then Yehima's death is not um, the, it, there's no justification for it, and why? Why are you going to bring a character like this? Bring them to life to just dispose of them like this? Again, that was frigid. They fridged Yehima to further Montrose and ticks, um conflict. That could have been done without even having Yehima. If they wanted to introduce the papers, you had the you had the skeletons already there. They could have just gone into the ship, seen the skeletons, figured out what happened, and find the scrolls. You didn't need to literally bring reanimate this. This character bring her back from 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 the dead to then kill her again, or I should say kill them because it wasn't because take um, and calling Nihima, her is all about them placing their own ma- masculine identity of what what a woman is right. So I'm like, it, and and again this is all of this is where for me the colorism again comes into the plot because you have all of these dark skinned people doing these extremely violent things. To each other and to other marginalized people. And the only person who even remains unscathed in this whole entire show is Letty. Even in episode three, where she's casting out the demons, you she's surrounded, she she's in a circle with the with um the spirits, and they're all dark-skinned black people. And they're the ones who come back and they and their souls are, are not at rest, and they have to get rid of this demon of this white man who was tormenting them. And she again. Has really does really no heavy lifting in it, and I'm like the only person in this entire show who who, who gets away scot free, <laughs> you know, is is Letty. And th- and then when you talk about the magic, why why do they why why are they talking about? Oh no, we have the magic. You got you had a magical cross on your door. A black woman came and put blood on your doorstep that stopped that witch from coming into your house. That that helped that gave you the power and the wisdom and the words to cast a demon out of your house. Why you need a boy, why you need black, why you why you need white people's magic? You already have it. There's a blood, there's a, a blood cross on your door. Prove that black people do have magic. Prove that black people do have the power to do what needs to be done. And then I saw someone say that it sounded like social, which I thought it, which I thought it was. So you're trying to say so they're trying to say that the book of Adam probably originated in Africa, which I could get with because you know we say Africa is the cradle of humanity. I could get with that. But when you're talking about you reclaiming um, this, you're, you're reclaiming this, this the magic for black people, Fine, you got this and that, again, this clear skinned woman, this clear skin black woman talking about, she's, she's now the, the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The savior of black, of blackness and savior of black magic. Are you going to use that magic to return back to him and save your sister and kill Christina before she becomes immortal? Are you gonna use that magic to empower all black people in America or across the diaspora, across the world? Because black people who have black people, black people were tormented not only in North America, black people were tormented in the Caribbean, black people were enslaved in the Caribbean, black people were enslaved in, were enslaved in Africa. You're gonna go back and rewind time. You're gonna go, you're gonna give magic to all of these black people. Are are you gonna have a school like Hogwarts? Like, you should mention Hogwarts. Is it gonna be elitist? Are, are black people gonna have to pass a specific test that you determine that makes you say, you're not worthy of this magic? What the hell is the purpose?
1: Okay. So <laughs> the whole thing around but like giving black people magic um I we spend the whole series to a certain extent kind of like taking out the same kind of retribution against white people that they visit upon us which I mean, I don't really understand the point of a lot of it, like the stiletto beyond having a moment where we got to see Bloody Shoes um, and having that the the Cardi B song worked into that. Um, like I, I don't see what the point of a lot of the viciousness that are the characters we follow visit upon people. Um, And then when it comes to the magic is we're all they're always just defensive and reactionary. They're never offensive. Um, There's never the only time we see them try to pull from ancestral powers is literally in episode nine and episode three with Letty. Or yeah, three with Letty when it comes to Holy Ghost. Um, but we never see them reach out toward anybody outside themselves. We only see them trying to interact with the magic that Christina is trying to wield against them. Um and it never real it's just like they never have any autonomy. I don't know how you make a whole TV show with characters that never figure out their own autonomy in any way. And then to sit up and say, well, we're giving magic to all the black people and it's just, or we're giving, we're taking magic from all the white people. It's just like, but what is the plan after that? Um, What, where have we had a setup somewhere in here that leads us to the conclusion? Of course, that's what you should do. Give all, Take all the magic from white people. And then, like, it's not like Buffy the Vampire Slayer when she takes the scythe and um, has Willow give all of the slayer powers to all the girls around the world that would be in line. It's not like that. So... I've seen this before done and executed much better. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, uh, come yes. on! Yeah. No, I, I agree because you're right. Like we're aware. Cause the world building it's there. They, they touched on like the world building, which like was something I was excited for. And I don't, first off, if there's gonna be a second season, I don't know. But like, there's a lot they need to improve upon. So it would, I, I would, I would watch it. But there's a lot that needs to be improved upon. That's a, that's a, that's a, for us to touch on at the end of this. But mm-hmm. my thing, I agree with you because of like, if we know that magic exists and it's not just the magic that Christina and the Brace White squealed, and wouldn't my first thought was like, well, let me go find the black people who know how to do magic, which y'all did in episode three, and then I think that woman gets killed off by the white man ghost. I'm we never actually
1: find out whether or not she...
0: Oh, did. that's Ooh. right. Because she just gets thrown up into the ceiling yep. and then she gone crazy. I don't think she, so was, she was killed up. But I think she was just her and then she just left. And right. the thing is, is like, well, what, the, the, the other thing is, they're actually white people are the only people who had magic. Not true when you have Gia there. Gia is... Right, true. and that's what like, I thought, that's the point Nata I was is making too like. because like we know with the world building that there is magic and there is like other supernatural things in this world and that's been established so it's like and, and tick is now aware. tick is aware of this before anybody so it's like it's not like i'm expecting them to know who to reach out to but i would just think like throughout all of it they only think that only the magic from the book of adam only the magic from the brave can combat christina but i'm like no because honestly in basic supernatural stuff you would want to go and find a different kind of magic to combat against the magic because, and again, I understand. I'm like, this is just me going off of all of the supernatural movies, shows, and books I've ever read. But like, you want to go find a counteracting magic. What's like Sabri- Sabri- the, what is it? Sabrina, teenage witch, the one on Netflix. Pictures. What's her, oh, my favorite one, the witch. Oh, what's her name? The black witch with the waves. prudence prudence Prudence. love prudence prudence goes in this goes to louisiana goes to new orleans and they learn magic that they've never learned before from their who were related to their roots and their ancestors are like oh we can use this to kill my father the man like to do this because he can't operate against this magic so i'm like it's a thing and i mean it's just, I I agree with you, like, their whole thing, their whole, they keep looking towards, like, oh, but Christina and the Brace Whites, like, and again, they're looking at, like, the power that the white people have, but I'm, like, black people have their own power, Mm. we do have our own, Mm -hmm. we have our own, so I'm, like, but no, they keep looking at what Christina and what the Brace Whites and what the white man magic is, and I'm, like, but thank God for, like, (laughs) Hippolyta, because, like, Hippolyta was really the wild card that came in, who, like, offered something that the Brace Whites didn't have, that Christina could not control. So it's like, yeah, I wish we had more of that. I wish we had more of them being, you know, because, oh my God, Hippolyta was the one who was probably the most, uh, I'm going to screw up the word you said, autonomous. Um, and I feel like, damn, I wish in them, I was really hoping she would be the one that would like be... That like that that cog in the wheel that stopped everything and saved Atticus. I, I I'm not putting all thought- that on her either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I honestly thought that Hippolyta's um her her arm piece was gonna give her some kind of again magical abilities to do more than she did because we what we got in episode nine was her being electrocuted. Again, we got to see this another black person being put in extreme pain. Uh, and and her pain is prolonged because Montrose is stuck at a window watching Tulsa burn, reciting the names of black, of real life black people who were killed in Tulsa. And I'm like, no, we did not need to see a black woman being tortured and electrocuted so this black man can recite the names of people. You're, you're So you're placing her body at the expense of it. They could have, at the end of the show, I think we talked about this in the last episode, they could have, at the end of the show, shown... Uh, Showing credits with the names of the of the people who they didn't tell listed. There was no need to prolong her pain. We saw her profit and animal and all this. And then, so Hippolyta, what she brought back from from her two hundred years on Earth, whichever night it was, um make a prosthetic arm for Dee. I actually thought the arm was going to be a bit more futuristic looking, and uh, that steampunk um, design for her arm actually didn't make sense to me. But that's a small quibble. But like. Couldn't she have made other weapons? Couldn't she have brought back something that could have incapacitated Christina? And we, like it just and, and this goes back again to the fact that, okay, you have this power now, Letty. What are you gonna do with it? Like I saw one of my friends, I think, made, a, made the comment, made, made, the point of she apparently didn't give it to all these black people because racism still has to stay past that point. Because her son George went ahead and wrote the book proving that they didn't help um, other Black people. They kept that to themselves because their story is is considered fiction. He wrote it in a book as fiction, which means they kept, again, the power to themselves, which makes no sense.
1: I think they leave entirely too much up to be that. inferred, guessed.
0: Inferred, yeah. like That's the other thing with this show. This show is all about, well, we're teaching you so much i'm like but guess what the things that you should be actually expanding upon you don't do where you make but but other things that we don't necessarily need to know you made this whole curriculum you made this show into a whole curriculum of black history but the things that you are supposed to be doing as a show which is explaining things like plot points and making things seem sensible making it seem worthwhile you didn't do like if you wanted to write a, cor- a course curriculum on black history do that Go and make a mini doc on 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 national geographic, or or, or make a special docu series. Why why make it into a a, a multi genre show like this, and for what
1: reason? Well, one of the things that I want to come back to is what you said, Nisha, about mm-hmm. the fact that the the fact that everybody just kind of surrendered their autonomy. Um, and the what ends up happening ultimately is that they just continue to play into white games and the white gays. And how how infinitely sad it is that the creators of this show, the writers on this show literally um couldn't couldn't escape the white gays themselves in order to create a story that actually made sense. That to be so obsessed with trying to let's let's jam this in here, let's jam that in here, let's let's get this in here, let's get this out in here. That you never even managed to escape the white gays or the tropes that white people have already set up for Black people
0: mm-hmm.
1: in, a, in a fictional story with monsters and magic, that even there you couldn't manage to escape the white gaze. Right,
0: and it's like, and we can start to transition into like, you know, closing thoughts for like the series as a whole, but like something I wanted this like note is like, I love horror, I love supernatural things and I want to see more, Black people in supernatural, not just as tokens. I, I love seeing predominantly Black things in these genres that exist because, like, it's not like we haven't had those before, but it's like it feels like we've had a drought and we don't get that as much. So it's like when we get these things, I understand that it's not going to be perfect and they're going to make mistakes and there is room for improvement. So it's like I, I don't want this to sound like for anybody who's listening that we are just like digging at this and saying it's terrible and this and that it's like it started off strong Mm -hmm. and i want to see more of this i think people should probably look at this and see this can be approved upon Mm -hmm. i I truly believe that if they did want to bring back if they did want to like bring another season i would hope there are things they will improve upon it i know from like people who like um cj who writes for uh the website for but why though um in our community he was covering this and he read the book and he's like "Well, because his closing thoughts were like well they covered the book and I'm like that's something where I'm like I can totally understand that because I'm like I didn't read the book and I can understand to some extent but like so my review of this is strictly to like what I did like and what I did not like from this series but that doesn't mean we don't deserve to have more of this we can have we can have good it can get better but it's like I don't know I feel like we've talked about it there's just there's a lot that I feel like they can improve upon and I hope people look at this and I hope the writers and like the the showrunners and directors all of them are like taking this criticism to heart and it can be improved upon but anyways huh? I just feel like it's a lot but before we transition into closing thoughts were there any other things from like nine and ten that y'all wanted to touch on
1: how Hippolyta was so relaxed after, like, knowing, finding out everything that she knew in the universe. Mm. There was um, a relaxed, just settled, content look about her that yeah. I just loved, even though there was a cost to obtain that. Um, mm. I was very happy to see her because I was like, no matter what happens next, she's good. I like that. All yeah.
0: Like yeah, I, I I like that Hippolyta was more relaxed and she was more sure of herself as a person. The only mm. thing I didn't like about that is as a mother, it sem- it seemed like she was a bit too relaxed about what happened to her daughter. Now I could understand her being relaxed as a person and her being I mean, through this and experience, but I was expecting more a bit of a pissed off mama bear thing when she, you know what i mean like i would have been like you all left my child and this is what happened to my child and she did not slap the taste on one of those people's mouths it, like you know what i mean like i there was no i feel like you're just like it again was like again it's like put on us to expect like to like like assume it's there or expect it's there but i also feel like dang, there should have been there should have been a scene of like her like y'all let this happen to my baby Exactly. But instead she has to comment instead she has to comment and be like I gotta fix this now because look what y'all did yeah yeah so that's the only thing with regards to infla I do and the other thing with um with Ruby that really bothered me episode 10 is not only was she kill off screen, but we just saw her the husk her body on a bed and it's like it, 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 the way how they did it is implied that christine like Ruby didn't even put up a fight that Ruby just let herself be killed and that bothers me in the fact it just shows how little disregard the little regard that the writers place on Ruby as a person where it's like she didn't even warrant uh, a moment of us seeing her actually like as you got like we've talked about her autonomy where I would have liked to see her fighting Christina you know like cussing her out getting like two punches in like we didn't even get that. Like Ruby wasn't even worth a, mo- a a couple, at least one scene with her grappling, like even if she had to die, at least show her fighting, like, you know, like at least show her reclaiming her autonomy, her agency, like just, f- mm-hmm. ah, Ruby depresses me. That's why I say I got to talk a lot about this, but yeah, we're going to, so um, I'll, I'll do my final thoughts and then you two give and then we'll wrap up. So my final thoughts was this show was, had potential, this show had promise. The only saving grace of this show was the performances. Like all the cast, they did an amazing job. Like Wumi Masaku, she worked with what they gave her. She made what she made. Even though I did not like the storyline, she made. I think, and I think that's, and I think what makes us really care about uh, Ruby is not because of the character, because she was never given enough development as a character. But Wumi Masaku put her all into this role. And, and I got to give it up to Jada Harris, who played um, Diana mm-hmm. and Angelou Ellis and Cipolina. And while we may not like the male characters, the actors, Kent Michael Williams played um, Montrose and Jonathan Majors, who played Tick. Uh, they really give their all to these roles. And that's my bi- my favorite part of the show. That's the and the costume design. But I was very disappointed with the show. I really wish it was done way better. The characters deserve better. The actors deserve better. The audience, <laughs> we deserve better. And it breaks my heart to see how, that what I remember I made a tweet, but the thing that really breaks my heart is when it comes to the characters, where people blame the victims for, for what happened to them and blinding their eyes to the abuse of Ruby. And that to me was my biggest takeaway. And it showed how colorism is still accepted in the black community and how people are willing to overlook certain things because the hero is a light-skinned Black woman. So for me, I'm trying to... Final thoughts overall for this series. Like I said, and I will continue to say, like I think they really did have a solid show in the first half. They had us in the first half, and then they lost us. Um, And that's just... I don't know. I mean, maybe this is just like a it's a learning curve where they got to flush it out more. I understand it's like based on a book and everything. And maybe one day I'll go ahead and I'll read the book. But at the end of the day, I feel like it's the stuff like we've, we've said throughout this episode. It's the touching on subjects and touching on things, but not really going anywhere with it or like showing us a lot of stuff, but not going anywhere with it. That I think that's where it falters a lot for this show. Um, the writing and the, like you said, the, the cast, great. The performance is great. I just wish that some characters were thought out more. Montrose, for example, Ruby, uh, Tick to some extent, because Tick really just shows three reactions, sadness, anger, and confusion, um, which his actor does a tremendous job at. But I just, when you really look back and you think about Tick in this series, I don't think of him... As the strongest pillar in the series. Mm. Um, And it's just, it's sad to say that, but it's true. Um, I did like, you know, that when you really, when I did look back, it's like we got like five female focused episodes and like these, and on these specific characters. And I like that about that. And I would like, and I think that's something great that we got to see it from different perspectives, from different characters, from like what they were going on. And even, like, seeing that from Gia, like, I, I love that episode for that, and then especially for Hi- Hippolyta. I especially love Hippolyta of this entire series. Hippolyta is what really makes it for me, um, and I would, I would give anything if Hippolyta and Dee could just have their own series right now and go and time travel safely, because I usually don't like the idea of Black women time traveling, but... I I think just watching a series of like Hippolyta and Dean going and exploring the universes and multiverse and doing all that sounds beautiful and wholesome and nice but yeah and so like the series as a whole it kind of just fell like they started out really strong and then they kind of just went downhill a little bit for me and there's good parts throughout it but there's still work to be done (laughs) that's all I'll say what about you, Perdita?
1: Uh, the word commitment keeps replaying in my mind is that That's a good word? was not a commitment to this story. Um, overall, this feels like it was maybe four drafts short yeah. mm-hmm. um, for this series, I think had there been more time crafting characters and storyline and plot, um, and then also just kind of maybe reaching out to some people who do have the range about certain topics that you wanna tackle Mm -hmm. um, to make sure that care is put to every word, every line, every shot of this this um, series. Um, It was a try. Um, I hope one day I get to try and get that much of a budget and that much talent um, from the top down to make something um, and, and for it to be good. I don't think art has to be perfect in order for it to be enjoyable. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think that there was a lot of neglect, plain and simple, when it comes to the colorism that ran through the entire show. Mm-hmm. Um, I do not know Misha Green. I do not know her intentions or how she feels personally about dark-skinned Black people, um, or even light-skinned Black people, for that matter. What I do know is that she was neglectful in this this venture.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and as the captain of the ship, I can say that she is neglectful because that's her that's her baby. That's her ship. That she is mm-hmm. the guy in that that situation. So that's unfortunate. Um, I believe there were some standout moments in this series. Um, Gia, Hippolyta. Um, Journey, of course, brought a magnificent performance as well. I think Wumni did as best she could with what she had. And mm-hmm. I wrote to her on Twitter. Um, I think Ruby was done a disservice, but I am thankful to have been formally introduced to you and your talent. Um, and I am. Uh, the same with Jonathan Maj- Majors, who played Atticus. Um Phenomenal! I've seen him do phenomenal things in this show, but also in other things that he's been in within the last couple of years. And I think he really has a lovely talent that I'm I'm excited to watch unfold. Um, and when it comes to OGs like uh, Michael Kenneth Williams, who played Miles, we know what he can do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, of course, I'm happy whenever he's booked and busy. Um, and the same with with uh, uh, Uncle George. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I mean, the talent was there; the story just wasn't there.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: I'm I'm happy to have been able to see Hippolyta's joy. I'm happy to have seen um, those those moments that really just kind of set my my imagination popping and cracking. But I would also ask that if they get a season two, that they be very careful about some of the things that we discussed here, but also to not marry sex with violence so, so easily. One of the things that I noticed and actually was pointed out by um, Stephanie, Williams on Twitter um, in a conversation with her, she said, you know, it was how every time somebody has sex, it's right after a particularly violent moment or it's Mm -hmm. violence in some way. And I had to stop and think and I was like, oh my gosh, and it is. And I think that is a problem that we have seen time and time again in the media when it comes to Black sexuality as being dangerous, as being violent. And that unintentionally they have perpetrated those same stereotypes when it came to what could have been very great scenes of Black sexuality. Um, mm-hmm. and- he failed to, to do that. So I wish them all the best. If they get a season two, maybe I'll give it a watch a episode to see what it is, but um, I'll definitely be cautious.
0: Mm. Yeah. no, yeah. That's I, that, I think that's where I'm at. It's just like, if we were to get a season two, if this were it, however, whatever that looks like, if it's building upon the characters that they have now, or if it's like a whole new story, I don't know, I would mm-hmm. give it a watch, but it is definitely, like you said it best, it's like, I will be cautious because if I'm three episodes in and I'm like, this is more of the same stuff, I'm out. But, uh, but this has been, like I said, this has been a journey, y'all. I'm glad <laughs> I did, I'm glad I went on it with you too. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think if anything, one of the few positives that could come out of this show is that it should be a learning experience for writers and directors, like take the notes that's the one thing, good thing about Twitter. Uh, one of the good things about Twitter is it gives, I, I gives not only people like us or critics or whatever, but just like regular viewers, the opportunity to voice any misgivings they have and it gives people like directors and writers and producers and execs and whoever to see what people say and to take heed and to listen and to do better. Mm-hmm. And if they do a season two, I'm not sure if I will give them a view because I've reached a point where it doesn't matter who the creator is, whether they're black, Asian, or whatever. If I feel like I have to, I have to go in with the mentality, let me let me protect myself instead of going in being open. It's not I'm not going to put myself through that emotional and man- mental angst. The life is too short; we have too many things going on for me to have to go into a show. Oh, there. Let me brace myself just in case to repeat the mistakes of season one. I don't think it's fair to us as viewers to have to do that. And I don't think it's right. And just because the creators are black or female, we shouldn't have to push our push our side our own personal feelings to give them a chance. I don't think it's right, and it's not fair. Yes, we we and we we, we support black creatives, we support black female creatives, but that doesn't give that. But that doesn't excuse harm. It, that like you know we always say in um the. Um, Was it the con? The consequences doesn't mitigate. No, um, intent does not mitigate impact. Right? You may have good intentions, but that doesn't excuse the harm done. And if she does a season two, I don't want to see people berating other Black people for having misgivings or saying they're not going to give her a second chance because that's within our rights. And um, I think that's one of the other things that came out of this show, to where we saw a lot of Black people saying, "Oh, you're not smart enough to get it. You shouldn't need a curriculum and a syllabus." To understand a TV show, and to, and if you're going and if you're going to use it as an excuse to belittle other Black people, then that's a problem, right? And I hope that that's something that gets fixed. And um and as I wrap up my my thing is with this show is and excuse us, um listeners, for it seems that we've been going on for a while, um, but I think it's going to um, fitting since this is the last time we're probably going to talk about this show. Um, is that when it comes to shows by black creators or other people of color, please understand that black people have been through enough and we should not have to put ourselves through mental torture for our fictional characters. Okay, at the end of the day, this is, these people are not real and we should not have to torment ourselves to give viewership ratings to a network, which are still ultimately owned by white people. Okay, remember that. HBO is still owned by white people, listeners. We're we, Why should we have to put ourselves through mental anguish to bump up ratings for, you know, it's still not going to, what is that going to do for us as listeners? It's not paying my bills, not putting food on my table. I should not have to break myself emotionally to support anybody else. Well, with that, Perdita, if you don't mind, I mean, if there's any other thoughts we can, I don't know, if I don't, I don't have anything else to say. I think I've said
1: it all, but yeah. if you want to plug where they can find you and what you do, yeah, so I am a writer by day and a writer by night. Um and also uh well for writing, you can find me freelance over at uh loveblackgirls.org. Um and then also I am a an aspiring documentary documentary filmmaker. Um hopefully you'll hear more about that within the next, well, by 2021. Um uh, We are, I can't believe this year is almost over. I've been in the house for eight months. (laughs) Um, So those are the big things. And then also, if you'd like to um, laugh on Twitter, you can follow me at Perdita Patrice. Um, that is P E R D I T A P A T R I C E, and that is my handle on Instagram as well. So feel free to follow.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks. And then Carolyn, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at CarrieCNH12. C A R I E C N H one two. And you can find me and Perdita and Anisha tweeting about film, TV, um, occasionally K-pop. And and and, I will announce on here that I am starting my own uh, K, I, I, K-drama and Asian drama podcast. It's going to be called Beyond the Romance Drama Podcast, where I talk about my favorite K-dramas, um, Chinese, Japanese, Thai dramas, films, occasionally K-pop. And um, so you can look up for the tweet announcing that. And I've already began doing my research and lining up interviews and guests for the podcast. And you can also um, find my find me guesting on the Af- African American Film Critics Association virtual roundtables for this summer while we're in quarantine. And you can go on the YouTube channel and watch the. The interviews with Black creatives in the film and television industry. By the time this one comes out, we will have then interviews with Yahab Abdul-Mateen, the second for um, his new film, The Trial of the Chicago 7, which is on Netflix. Um, interview with um, Rada Blank for her film, The Four-Hill Version, which is also on Netflix, a hilarious film. I love that film. It's hilarious. It's thoughtful. It's about Black women, hip-hop and aging. And you can also find, I also think by the time this will come up, no, not by the time this comes. up, but also look forward to our roundtable with writer and director Remy Weeks for his film, His House, which is a horror about about the refugee and immigrant experience. And that will, film is coming out no, October the 30th, I believe, on Netflix as well. I saw that film at Sundance and it terrified me. <laughs> it was... And it also made me cry as it, as it related a lot to, to the experiences and the and the metaphors in the film. And also, yeah, you can find that those interviews and more on the AFCA YouTube channel and also follow their Twitter account. And I'm trying to remember if we have anything else to promote. Oh, and also I will have a uh, TIFF20 film recap for uh, Under the Open Sky by Miwa. And Nishikawa with, and my guest will be Lai. She is the EIC of University Reviews. And we talk about that film and how great it is, and how amazing it is. And I think that's it for me for announcements. And again, sorry for everyone, if it seemed like I was ranting in some parts, but yeah, I had many thoughts and many feelings about this show. So my apologies if it sounded like I was ranting. <laughs> And as for me, as always, y'all can find me on Twitter and also on Instagram um, at my new handle. It's Nisha Plays. That's N-E-Y-S-H-A-P-L-A-Y-S. I don't know. I'm tired. can't spell. But yes, y'all can find me there. Just type in Nisha. Um, and yeah, find me over there talking about anime and things and manga and movies and horror because it's spooky season. But with that, we can close out. And oh, before we forget, Y'all, our listeners, please remember throughout the month of October, we are helping raise money for Saint Jude Children's Research Hospital with in partnership with St. Jude Play Live. We are very thankful and excited to be a part of this initiative because they are their mission of finding cures, saving children is a powerful mission, and every child should get to enjoy the spookiness of Halloween without the scariness of childhood cancer. So please go donate at forward at stjude.org forward slash bawido you can go make me eat nasty candy corn for $15. So, there's Mm -hmm. that. Get joy from that. But yeah, just so much fun. I've eaten like 40 pieces so far this month, and I hate it. But, it's for the kids, y'all. But with that, we are out. So, goodbye. Goodbye. Remember, wear a mask, wash your hands. So here's what happened as a proud member of the But Why Though podcast community. Hey guys, welcome back and happy...